Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. Amen. Amen. So uh, two weeks ago, when I preached to you, I talked about how Christ is all that matters. And I want to build on that same theme today, but I titled my message, Work in Progress. How many know we are all a work in progress? None of us have it all figured out. None of us follow Jesus perfectly. (laughs) Not all of us even understand it all. We are all a work in progress. Tell your neighbor, I'm a work in progress. And you're a bigger one. No. (laughs) All right. So I want to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, which we read two weeks ago as our kind of central verse. And I want to pick up there again this morning. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 10 through 11, it says, put on your new nature. Everybody say new. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. When you and I choose to put our faith in Jesus Christ and to follow him, this needs to become our life statement. Christ is all that matters. Not being right all the time. Christ is all that matters. Not having maybe the best house and the nicest car, but Christ is all That matters. Maybe not having everything go exactly the way we want it because Christ is all that matters. And in Christ, there are no longer the divisions of people groups that we in human nature like to do. The us, them. The white, black, Hispanic, Asian. The rich, the poor. The educated, the uneducated. All the labels that we like to put on different people groups, in Christ, they're all done away with. And now all that matters is Christ. All that matters is Christ. That means my new life in Christ matters more than my ethnicity, more than my education, more than my experience. All that matters is Christ. And that means we must learn to look to Christ to learn more about Christ so that we can learn how to live for Christ. And that is the goal of every one of us, to live for Christ like Christ. We got to become more like Christ. Everybody say more. We got to continue to grow, to learn, to be renewed, changed. And how do you do that? Look at verse 10. It says we got to put on a new nature. In other words, the way we used to live before Christ, we're no longer going to live those ways. we got to now live according to the new life in Christ, the way Christ tells us is the right way to live. So how do you do this? Everybody says you got to be renewed. Say renewed. That's another word for saying 
transformed. Now, how many of you know transformation in Christ does not happen overnight? I don't know about you, but when I said yes to Jesus, I did not all of a sudden become a perfect Christian. I still had some issues. I still had some things that didn't quite sound like Christ, look like Christ. And so in our journey, we have to become more like Christ. How does it say here in verse 10? By getting to know your creator, you'll become like him. And that's why Christ is all that matters. That's why we're here on Sundays, because we're coming to learn more about who our creator is, God the Father. All things were created through Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. The, all three were there, guys. And so as we get to know who our God is, as we get to know who our creator is, as we learn more about who he is, we'll become more like him. Because the truth is, you become who you hang out with. Come on, parents, you know you told your kids that. Be careful who your friends are because you'll become like your friends. I had one friend who was, uh, she could be pretty mouthy with her own mom. And my mom, at one point I got mouthy with my mom and she said, oh, I know who you've been hanging out with. And that's all she had to say and I knew what she meant and I knew she meant I better stop it. <laughs> That became what she said. She didn't say, don't mouth off to me. She goes, oh, I know who you've been with. Because we become who we spend time with. So as Christians, if I'm to become like Christ, that means I must spend time with. Oh, see, so you're tracking with me. Good job. So if I want to become more like him, that means I got to spend more time with him. I got to spend more time in the word. I got to get to know him. What does he say? What does he think? What is his way? What is his will? What are his purposes? What is the heart of God? So that I can become more like him. We're renewed as we get to know him, and then we become like him. We are all a work in progress. Amen? And I want to take you to one of my favorite verses in Philippians chapter 1. Excuse me, chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Okay, you're all going to read it with me out loud. Because it's such a good verse, I don't want you just to hear it. I want you to say it so that it gets in you. Got it? Ready? Here we go. And I am certain that God, who began... Amen. This is such an amazing promise of scripture to us. First of all, God started a good work in you. And what God started, he will finish. You know why I like this? Because God is telling you, I'm taking personal responsibility for the good work that was started in you. And I promise I will see it to completion. You know what that tells me? Number one. God will never give up on me, even when sometimes I give up on him. God will never give up on me, even when sometimes I drag my feet. God will never give up on me because he started the good work and he 
will finish it. That ought to make some of you guys so excited because we think about following God and we think, oh, it takes so much work. It's so hard to be a Christian. It takes so much work to follow Jesus. Oh, there's so much work in ministry. Well, if you understand that it's not your work, but God's work, that God started the work, God will continue the work, and God will finish the work, there comes a level of burden that gets taken off. Because now it's like, oh, it's so much work to follow Jesus. Well, if you're trying to do it in your own strength, in your own self-will and power, it'll feel like a burden. It'll be challenging and tiring and sometimes frustrating and discouraging. But if I remember that God started the work in me, it's his work, it's a God work, and he will finish that work, then there's a re-energizing that takes place. Because God doing a good work. And that's the next word. It's not only a God work, it's a good work. He says, I've started a good work. The work that God is doing in you is a good work. But let's be honest, sometimes that good work doesn't feel good. I mean, you've heard some of the verses read this summer in the different sermons, but consider it pure joy when you go through trials and suffering and tempting and testing. And you're like, really? Pure joy? Why? Because the outcome, when God is working in you, he takes even what the enemy meant for evil or what our own sins and temptations and troubles cause us, and he works it for good. So the work God is doing is good, even if it doesn't look good, even if it doesn't feel good even if in my own mind I don't think it's good can I just be honest come on can we be honest we have to sometimes by faith take a stand that God I know the work you're doing is good even though right now it doesn't look good it doesn't feel good I don't like it I've been there sometimes our flesh doth protest to quote a little Shakespeare in the room. But there has to be a faith posture that says, even if it, I don't understand it, even if this isn't easy, even if it hurts a lot, I believe that because God is good and it's a God work he's doing, he says it's a good work, therefore I believe this is a good work. It's a God work, it's a good work, and it's an ongoing work. Because what does it say in Philippians 1, 6? He will continue his work until Jesus comes. So that means God is ongoing with his work in you. That's why we are a work in progress. Take off the false burden that you got to get it right all the time. Shake that off. That's a lie of the enemy. The enemy wants to try to put perfection on us, and you better do right all the time and think right, and if you don't, you're a bad Christian. And so why should you even try? Just give up. Why go to church? You, must, you don't deserve to be at church. You know what you did. That's the enemy. But that's not Jesus. Jesus says, I know what you did, but I'm doing a good work. Come to me. I'm doing a good work, and I'm going to work in you. All that is good and pleasing. We got to understand that even when we don't do good, his grace is so good that he still works a good work 
and it's an ongoing work. He promises he will continue his work. And I'm so grateful for that, guys. Aren't you glad to know that God never stops working on us? Now, some of us, we might make it go a little longer than maybe it needs to. You know, I don't know about you, but maybe I can be a little hard-headed. Like, I can need a little convincing sometimes. <laughs> I've had to learn, because of the way I am, I'm a very strong person. And with a natural gift of strength in many ways, I can also be strong-headed. <laughs> and so I've had to learn to let go of that to, so I can more quickly co cooperate with the good work that God is doing in me. Because I don't know about you, but I've learned I don't like to prolong the work. And sometimes we prolong the work. By what? Flat out disobeying God. You'll prolong. His, he'll never give up on you. He'll still keep working on you. He'll still keep trying to do a work in you. But you know, when we refuse to cooperate, then we limit the fullness of what he can do. But he's still after you. I'm still here. You know what I'm telling you. I'm just waiting for you. You wonder why you're not in the full blessing. Here you go, but I'm still here. I'm still working. I'm still ready. He still moves on us even when we're hard-headed. He's a good God who does a good work and an ongoing work. Philippians 1.6 tells us that it's a God work. Say God work. I didn't hear y'all. It's a God work. It's a good work. An ongoing work. And this is the promise we have from God that it's his work. He takes responsibility for us. He will finish what he started. Hebrews 12, 2 puts it this way. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. What does that tell you and me? You didn't come to faith on your own. Holy Spirit birthed faith in you. Jesus birthed faith in you in you. He's the one who authored your faith. So you and I don't even get to take credit for putting faith in Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit put a seed of faith in us. And then it's our responsibility to respond to what he puts in us. And that's the, that's the truth for anything the Holy Spirit puts in us is you and I have to respond to what Holy Spirit is doing in us. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because Christ is all that matters. Verse 1 says we got to run the race with endurance, taking off sins and weights, right? Fixing our eyes on Jesus who authors our faith, who births our faith, who created our faith. But not only that, he is the finisher, the perfecter, the completer of our faith. That's the same thing that God started a work and he will finish his work. Christ birthed faith in you. And when you respond, he says, I will perfect your faith. It's a God work. God finishes what he starts. God finishes what he starts. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8, verse 27 through 30. And I preached a long six-week series on this last year. But we're going to look at it in context of what we're talking about today. Verse 27. And the Father who knows all hearts, he knows your heart. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony 
with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to what? Become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Now, God works all things together for good. For who? For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. His purpose. So remember we talked about what does good look like? God defines good in these scriptures. He says, first of all, good is my will. Holy Spirit intercedes for us according to God's will. He's praying, Lord, help them obey your will. God's good is his will, not your preference. His will, his purpose for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So it's his purpose, not your plans, not your perspectives. His plans, his purpose, his will. For those who love him, what did Jesus say? If you love me, you will obey me. So the manifestation, the expression of our love for God is not just singing songs or clapping our hands or closing our eyes and looking so lovely. The real expression of our love is our obedience to Christ. Am I living my life in obedience to Christ? For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And then we read, he chose us to become like his son. So God defines good as his will, his purpose, his character. God works all things for good means he's working all those things you're going through to make you more like Christ. Because Christ is all that matters. Some of the good that God is working in us is his character. Ah, this is so important for you to get because many times we get hung up on the work God is doing because it doesn't look good. But if I'm defining good according to my own understanding, then I could miss the good that God is actually trying to accomplish in me, for me, and for his glory. Because Christ is all that matters. See, you and I have to learn to surrender to what God says is the good he's working. God works in mysterious ways. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've prayed about something and I thought I knew what was going to happen. And then the more I prayed, it didn't look like that. And I was like, God, are you listening to me? I thought we were talking. I, th I thought I was praying. I thought we were having this good old conversation. I thought we were on the same page, God. <laughs> He's like, I'm working for good. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? It's like spring cleaning. Have you ever tried to clean something really, really well? 
I'm going to sort through my clothes. And you get into your closet. And the next thing you know, your whole room looks like a tornado went through it. Somebody walks in, they're like, whoa, what are you doing? I'm cleaning. It doesn't look like you're cleaning. <laughs> How do you know sometimes it got to get more messy before it gets better? And depending on how much you got in your closet, it might take a little longer for Jesus to sort through the mess before he can get something good out of it. And you know, if you really do a good job spring cleaning out your closet, you don't keep everything you took out your closet. You got to be willing to let some stuff go. And for some of you, that's easy. For some of you, oh, that's like having surgery, pulling a tooth. But I remember when I got this 25 years ago. I haven't worn it in 20 years, but it has so much meaning to me. I was like that for a long time, man. I would, I would wear the same thing until it literally fell off of me. <laughs> and so it's like, you need to learn to let some stuff go. But this was my high school senior shirt. Yeah, well, you're 29 now. You don't need it. It's got holes, it's falling apart, let it go. <laughs> you know, but that's part of the process, right? Part of the process of getting a real good cleaning out of that closet means I got to let some stuff go. Do you know that when God is in the work of progress in your life, sometimes that means you got to let some stuff go. That means you got to give God permission to say, you know what, Don, you've been hanging on to this, but it's time to let it go. You've been doing this particular thing, but now it's time to let it go. You have been avoiding this thing, but it's time to move on and do it. It's amazing how good God is that he takes a lot of our everyday experiences, and if we would pay attention, the same spiritual principle is found in that. I learned this from Pastor Jaron. He sees spiritual principles in everything, football games, Bike rides, you know. And in the beginning, I was like, okay, sure, sure, pastor, okay. But then as I leaned in, I started to realize, no, he's just more mature and his eyes are more open because of how, where he's at in his progress with God. That he knows things and sees things and discern things that I'm not yet there yet because I'm in this part and he's in this part. But I can get there if I'm willing to open my eyes and be led by the Holy Spirit. So when you talk about cleaning out your closet, it's not just a physical act. There are spiritual principles that we can learn that when God does a work in us, it's not always a clean work. Sometimes it's a messy work before it gets better. Don't avoid the mess if God is bringing you through it. Can I tell you that healing hurts? Healing hurts. Physical healing often hurts. If you break a bone, guess what they do? They set it first. That hurts. You got an infected tooth? What do they do? They pull it out. It hurts. A lot of times, physical healing hurts. But can I tell you, emotional healing hurts. Some of the healing of our soul that we need God to do that he wants to do in order to make us whole and bring us into greater levels of hope and freedom and peace and joy means it hurts. And a lot of times we avoid the process of God because it hurts too much. Well, it hurts, so it can't be God. 
Now it hurts because there's a lot there that God knows as the wonderful, gentle father, the great physician of all, that he is able to save, heal, and deliver. Not only that, but restore what the enemy has taken from you. So if it's messy and it's painful, sometimes you got to lean in and say, God, is this me or is this you? Because if it's me, then I, I want to change it because I don't want to suffer for doing what is wrong. But if this is you, I want to lean into you. I want to cooperate with you. I want to partner with you because if this is you, even though it hurts, even though it's messy, I know it's a good work. And you will finish the good work you started in me. That's why I love God, because he's thorough. He's a thorough God. I know, sometimes we wish he wasn't so thorough. But he's so loving, he can't help himself but do a thorough work in you. A good work. A work that makes us more like Christ. A work that enables us to partner with God for his plan, his purposes, his will. A work that brings him glory. He works all things together for good. It's a God work. It's a good work. And it's an ongoing work. Let's go back to Philippians. I want to read a couple more verses from chapter 1. Verse 9 through 11. Paul goes on to say, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Let's just pause on this verse. A couple of things, Paul. Anytime I read Paul pray for the church, he's praying this for you and me, the church today. This isn't just a prayer for the church of Philippi, this is, a church, this is a prayer for you and me, the church, today. He says, I pray, Heights Worship Center, that your love, your love for God, your love for people, will overflow more and more. That means you and I need to be growing in our love for God so much that it overflows in our love for others. And you know how easy it is to love Jesus? Well, it ain't so easy to love people. <laughs> but loving Jesus means I got to grow in my love for the people who ain't so easy to love. Because loving God means loving people. Loving God means loving people who aren't like me, who don't act like me, think like me, talk like me, look like me. See, human nature, we like to group with the people that are like us. We're very homogenous in that way. But as Christians, we're called to get out of our comfort zone because it's no longer Jew, Greek, male, female, slave, free. We are in Christ. He is all that matters. So I'm called not only to love God, but to love others and others who aren't easy to love and others who don't look like me, others who may not sound like me, make me uncomfortable. I'm to grow in my love. We're to overflow. What does that mean? The love of Jesus starts in me, but I got to allow it to grow to the place that it overflows. We love because he first loved us so we got to grow in our love i'm telling you church don't get lazy in your love walk with jesus i can get lazy in my love walk with jesus because sometimes we get busy we get distracted maybe we get discouraged i've been sick for two weeks and i've had to fight some discouragement i'm like really god i'm not well yet 
I'm praying. People are praying. <laughs> How come, Lord? And I've had to choose to not give in to discouragement, but trust the work of Jesus that he's doing. Sometimes, guys, we have got to be intentional to guard our love for Jesus and to continue to allow his love to overflow in our hearts at all times, in all ways, in all seasons. And it says not only that our love would grow, but that we would keep on growing. Say that, keep on growing. That means you and I cannot be stagnant. He does not want a bunch of baby Christians. There is an expectation that those of us who believe in Jesus Christ are supposed to grow up. Mature. Change. I don't know about you, but it's a good thing we don't got a bunch of 60-year-olds walking around looking and talking like a two-year-old. There is an expectation of maturity, even in Christ, that we would keep on growing in what? In knowledge and understanding of what? Knowledge of Christ, understanding of the heart of God, the love of God, the word of God. For I want you to understand what really matters. Paul says, I pray that you would understand what really matters. And I was just chewing on this as I was reading this scripture, that we would know what really matters in life. Because we can get sidetracked by things that, you know what, don't really matter. I've told myself that. When I've stopped my train of thought, wait a minute, does this really matter? Whoever wins this football game, does it really matter? <laughs> eternal, eternal matters. <laughs> Does it really matter if I see the show or not? Does it really matter? Does it really matter? What really matters in life? I'm, I'm asking you this question today. Find out what really matters. Hint, I read it in Colossians 3. What really matters? Christ is all that matters. And if you get that, it says, then you will live a pure and blameless life until the day of his return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So there is an expectation that the salvation, the saving faith that we have in Christ Jesus brings change in our life. And what does it say? It says the fruit of salvation is the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. So there is an expectation that I don't just go and get saved and get my golden ticket into the golden gates of heaven, but I move beyond mere salvation and I start cooperating with the power of Jesus Christ in me and I begin to change to become more and more like him. And it's seen by the righteous character. What does righteous mean? Right before God right before God. So there should be a an ongoing work. Tell your neighbor, we are a work in progress. And that work looks like the character of Jesus. Because Christ is all that matters. And when we allow the character of Jesus to be developed within us, what does it say? It brings what? Much glory and praise to God. If you and I look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, treat other people like Jesus, guess what? The people in your workplace that don't believe in Jesus will notice. 
The people you interact with at the Starbucks and at the grocery store, if they're regulars, they will notice something's different about you. They're going to see Jesus in you. We cannot worry about what the world is doing. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and allow the good work of becoming like Jesus be developed and seen in our lives. Sometimes we get distracted by, well, the world. If, if, if this person would get elected or if this one would happen or if that legislation was passed and if the education this, and sometimes we could get so distracted by the ifs, 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 ifs. But what if I didn't worry about the ifs so much and I said, Jesus, what are you doing in me? Jesus, make me like you. Show me how to pray. Show me your perspective, your will for your glory and your honor because all that matters is that we live like Christ in this world today. The greatest testimony, the greatest witness, the greatest impact you can have is to live like Jesus. Greater than anything you could create, invent, design, implement, execute, accomplish, or purchase. Your life, looking like Christ, will have the greatest impact that not only will last today, but will last throughout eternity. Christ is all that matters. Say it again, Christ is all. So Paul says, grow in love, grow in knowledge, grow in understanding, and become more like Jesus. We become more like him the more we know him, the more we spend time with him, the more we allow his work to accomplish his good in me. Let's keep going. This is another one of them Sundays where I wanted to read the whole book of Philippians to you. But I'm just picking and choosing. Your homework, your mission, should you choose to accept this week, is to read the book of Philippians. Not the book of the Philippines. Sometimes I type that. The book of Philippians. All right. That's your mission, should you choose to accept it this week. But in verse 27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, even while we are citizens of whatever nation your passport color is. My real citizenship is not blue and American. My citizenship is heaven. I got dual citizenship, but the one that matters is heaven. That means I ascribe to a different value system. My value system is not the American value system. My value system is heaven. My economy, because I choose to obey Christ and tithe and give, my economy is not based on America's economy. My economy is based on the kingdom of God economy. And I'll tell you what, the economy of God never has downturns. There's no inflation in the kingdom of God. There's no lack in the kingdom of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. That means everything that heaven has, I have access to. But I also must live according to the values of the kingdom of heaven. That's why it says, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. There is an expectation that you and I don't just say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. But we actually, little by little, look more like Jesus. Talk more like Jesus. Look like Jesus. The fruit of salvation by the character of righteousness in our lives.
Paul says, and then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I know that you are standing together. If pastor was here, he'd be so excited because this is what he preached on last week. We got to stick together. Everybody say stick together. I, <laughs> I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Verse 30, we are in this struggle together. <clears throat> we are in this struggle together. I love that because you are not alone. See, when you belong to Jesus, you belong to the family of Jesus. And that means that you and I don't have to struggle alone. Life is a struggle. <laughs> life has good points, but life has a lot of struggle. The enemy wants you to struggle alone. The enemy wants to keep you isolated. The enemy wants to keep you separated. But the Lord says you are not alone. Not only do we have the presence and the power of God, but we are in this struggle together. You and I are in the struggle of becoming like Jesus together. And if we're honest, becoming like Jesus feels like a struggle sometimes. It ain't always easy to turn the other cheek. It isn't always early to write that tithe check when you're not sure how you're going to pay the rest of your bills. It always isn't easy to do what we know is right as we serve the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. But we're in this struggle together. That means we pray for each other. We encourage one another. Can I tell you that if you feel like you're alone, you need to reach out to someone in the faith and begin to utilize the blessing of the family of God. You have to do it. Because you are not alone. We are in this struggle together. The work of God is a good work. It's an ongoing work, and you and I are in the work together. You and I can never do it alone. We need each other. We need each other. I need you. You need us. And I encourage you to build relationships with those in the family of God that extend beyond, hey, how's it going? Good. Ah. But actually build relationships and say, you know what? I am struggling. I am struggling. And you know what? It's good to do that. It's good to reach out and say, hey, I'm struggling. I need help. I'm struggling. Because when I was fighting discouragement, I reached out to my, my accountability partner, Jen, and I said, Jen, I'm struggling. I'm feeling just, I'm not giving in, but I'm feeling it, but I'm not giving in, but I'm feeling it. Pray for me. So she called me and prayed with me. So we have to be willing to walk together so that we can encourage one another, strengthen one another, fight for one another, stand with one another. Because God didn't give up on you, and guess what? Heights Worship Center will never give up on you. We will not give up on you. Amen. Say, so we're in this together. And let's keep reading in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. 
obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is one of those scriptures that can be a little confusing on the surface. It almost looks contradictory. Paul says you need to work hard. Work hard to show you're saved. And then he goes, God is working in you. And you're like, well, am I working hard or is God working? Is it me? Is it God? Can I tell you? It's both and. God started the work in me. He's doing a good work. He's going to continue that work. But I must be willing to work with him. And what does this verse tell me? It says this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. What does that look like? Everybody say, obey God. Do you know how you work hard? You obey God. You obey God. If God tells you to let that item of clothing go, you let it go in a spiritual sense. I mean, clothes are used all the time to talk about the old way and the new way. If he says, hey, you need to let go of that shirt of bitterness and you need to put on a shirt of forgiveness. <laughs> you need to let go of that cloak of rudeness and you need to put on some kindness. Like there's something to knowing that when God says you got to get rid of this, those shoes of harshness. No, put on some shoes of peace. <laughs> the good work God is doing requires our work to obey. Tell your neighbor, you got to obey. But here's, I love this. I wish we could put the verses on together, but the next verse says what? God is working in you. What does he do? He gives you the desire to obey. I'm so grateful to the Lord. He wants me to obey, but then he says, I will work in you the desire to obey, and I'll give you power to obey. So I'm supposed to work but I'm not working in my own strength. I'm working by the power of God in me who is changing my desires, who's given me power to do what I could not do otherwise as I choose to obey him. But let me tell you something, church. If you wait till you feel like it, you may not ever do it. So what is God saying? You set your heart to obey me, and then I will work in you the desire, and I'll give you the power to walk out your obedience. I just watched a movie last night called His Only Son about how Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac. And they do it over the three-day trek of walking to the Mount Moriah, and they show the turmoil that Abraham must have been going through. God, really, my son, my only son, the promised son, <laughs> you know, just kind of giving you a glimpse into what those three days of journey must have looked like. And if you know the story, when Abraham got ready, he lifted up the knife and he was just about to kill his son in obedience to God and God stopped him. And you know what God said? Abraham, now I know that you will not withhold your only son from me. You know what that said? God was like, I was letting you see what I already knew was in your heart, that you would obey me over anything else. And now I don't only know it here. Yeah, Abraham will obey me. But now I know it here because I've seen your willingness to obey. Can I tell you, church, Abraham did not want to obey God. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. 
Any parents in the house? You want to sacrifice your kid? Probably go to jail, just so you know. Abraham did not want to obey God. But Abraham knew something about God that you and I need to learn. And he was willing to sacrifice his only son in obedience to God. We're not always going to want to obey God. But we got to choose to obey God. Even if we don't feel like it, knowing, can we put that scripture back up? Verse 13, that when I make that decision to obey God, he promises to work in me the desire. And not only that, the power to walk out obedience. And there are some things that God asks us to do that aren't easy to do. But when we set our heart to obey, God says, if you will work by obeying me, I will work by giving you desires that match my desires, and I'll give you power to obey. I don't know about you, but that just gets me so stinking excited. Because again, it's not based on me. I'm limited. There is no super Christian. None of us wear a cape. We don't have SC. We need Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Super Christian, by the way, if you don't know what SC was. <laughs> Colossians 1.29. Paul said this, that's why I work and struggle so hard. How? Depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So how do you and I work and struggle hard? By depending, read it, by depending. What kind of power? What kind of power? Mighty power. Not wimpy power. Not limited power. Mighty power. You and I have the mighty power of God working in us so that we can become more like Christ. So that we can live like Christ in a world where that is not popular anymore. You can live like Christ. I love what Paul said. I didn't read it, but also in Acts, he talks about the same thing. I worked really hard, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God working in me. God's grace is not only forgiveness. God's grace is his power to do what you and I couldn't do on our own. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 through 10. Paul says, I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. I love this verse for many reasons. Number one, Paul's like, I'm not qualified to even follow Christ. I murdered his people. He's like, I understand that I don't deserve it, yet God did it anyway. It was God's work. He called me. He changed me. He empowered me. I worked hard with him, but it wasn't me. It was him. It wasn't me. It was him. It wasn't me. It was him. Church, God can use anybody. 
I don't care what you've done, where you've been, what you look like. God wants to use anyone who will say yes to him. And then he lavishes his grace on us without measure. And his grace changes us from old to new, from dead to alive. And we become more like Christ. Paul says, I've worked hard, but it's not me. It's his grace in me. It's his power in me. Church, we need to be willing to work hard for God. But realize it's not you trying to earn gold stars on your chart in heaven. It's not like you're trying to earn an upgrade in that mansion. What you're doing is realizing that I'm working hard not for achieve anything. He's already given it all to me. I'm working hard because he has already given me everything in Christ. I work hard because I don't deserve it, but he called me anyways. I work hard because without him, I'm nothing. I work hard because there's nothing good in me but Christ. I work hard because I don't deserve it, but he poured out his grace on me, and therefore I work hard. Guys, I'm telling you, there needs to be an element in us that says, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to persevere in faith. I'm going to work hard by the power of God and his grace in me. No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. Amen. Even at your work, in your family, that one person you think is, oh, I don't know. I don't know, God. <laughs> no one is beyond the reach of the power of God's grace. And we're given his grace so that we can do what he's called us to do. Last verse, Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God. <laughs> who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish what? Infinitely more than we might ask or think. I love this scripture. I don't know about you, but I want more. He says, I have the ability to do more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Dream up. God says, I'm more than able to do it. Ha, 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 ha. He is more than able, guys, to do it. There is nothing impossible for God. Now all glory to God who is able through what? His mighty power. What kind of power? power. Is his power limited? Is his power weak? Is his power sporadic? Is his power inconsistent? Is his power limited? What kind of power does he have? And where's that power working at? In me. If I do that hard enough, I'll start coughing again. In me. His mighty power is working in me. Come on. I want you to just do that. Close your eyes. Say, God's mighty power is working in me. Again, God's mighty power is working in me. One more time. God's mighty power is working in me. And you know what his power can accomplish? More than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. More than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. No matter what barriers you think you have because of what life has done to you, He is more than able. He's more than able. No matter what setbacks and trauma you experienced growing up, he is more than able. No matter what kind of story you've lived up to this point, he is more than able. 
no matter what he's asking you to do, that seems impossible to do. He is more than able to empower you to do it for his glory and his honor. Why don't you stand to your feet, please? He is more than able. <laughs> he is more than able to work in us. His power is working in you. His power is working in you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what impossibility you're dealing with. But he is more than able. And his power is working in you. As we respond to his word today, for some of us, we need to just stop trying in our own strength. And we need to say, God, I need you to do it for me. Come on, if that's you, I just want you to do that. Lift your hands and surrender and say, God, I, I've been trying, I've been striving, but I don't want to do it in my own strength. I want your power working in me. I need your power working in me. I receive today by faith a extra impartation of Holy Spirit power, the mighty power of God to work in you today. And maybe there's something you know God's been telling you you need to do in obedience, but you haven't felt like it. But today you're like, okay, Lord, <laughs> I'm going to obey. If God has been telling you to let go of something and you haven't wanted to, today is the day to say, I will obey by the power of God in me. I will obey and I will let it go. If that's you, you need to do that right now in faith, in obedience to God. Lord, we let it go. The things that you want us to take off so that we can put on the new nature to look like Christ, to live like Christ. Forgive us for being stubborn sometimes, hard-headed. Forgive us of our disobedience. God, we want to cooperate with the God work you're doing in us, the good work and the ongoing work. For we know that it is not by might or power, but by your spirit alone. And we receive the truth today that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. We receive your power by faith working in us. Change our desires to match your desires. Help us to obey. Help us to live and become more like Jesus. It's impossible to do it on our own, so we're asking for you to do it for us. We receive it today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Come on and praise the one who is able. Praise the one who is good. Praise the one who is good. Yeah, Jesus, amen. amen. Come on, say it, amen. 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 We love you. We are so grateful that you're here today. God bless you guys. Have a great week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.